Hello, this is Tom with Team Binge Podcast here for part two of season three, episode 11 of Ted Lasso called Mom City. Enjoy. We have a funny callback in the hotel with Ted where Keely is on the hotel TV talking about <laughs> all of the advances in gym equipment. She's like yoga, yoga mats. <laughs> yeah. Ted gets this. I think this whole scene is just so we can get this text from his mom saying, mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish I went to the game so that now he feels guilty, which, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I understood this completely, and I think it's completely <laughs> normal. It's game time. We've got some Rebecca Higgins and Keeley talking in the stands, uh, and we find out that Rebecca's father went to school with Freddie Mercury. Is that right? Yeah. I like the idea of, like, the crowd is chanting Blue Moon, which is a obviously a very famous old song, but... The a lot of fans will use like old school songs and kind of make it a club anthem. So they get this back and forth with them trying to do what Fat Bottom Girls to be their uh, club anthem because I guess Freddie Mercury owned the team back in the eighties. Sure, um, and As I appreciate that Higgins says like, "Oh, were too many people offended?" Yeah, just the flat bottomed girls. <laughs> it was a solid joke. I appreciated <laughs> it. Higgins got to act in this episode. That's for sure. He gets to mm-hmm. be a uh, statue in not too long. <laughs> Jamie walks out and gets a homecoming booing, I think is the phrase. Nate is watching the game in the restaurant, and he is cheering for Richmond. We find some great soccer playing by Jamie Tarr. Are you still sold on the soccer playing of the show in terms of these guys? I mean, they look like they're playing at about half speed, but you feel comfortable with the footwork of one Jamie Tart? Yeah, I think, yeah, Jamie, the the actor, Phil Dunster, definitely has some moves. I think he's a big, kind of a bigger, bigger guy, I think, in this episode than he has been in, or, or not this episode, excuse me, but this season. I feel like he was like kind of like a... Two, no, 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 season two, you're right. He he. I feel like his arc has taken a, a much bigger spot in the show. In season two, he would just pop in every once in a while. So it is good. I, I guess I was just commenting on his... Uh, fleet of foot and soccer work and is he putting the ball on frame you know i think is mm-hmm. what they say right right ball we get loads frame. of soccer in, in this bit right like there's lots of it lots of saves from uh van damme oh, and like a lot a of wall. ball movement so guy's a wall mm-hmm. although he's a living breathing human i can see him right there i love how <laughs> literal the announcers get <laughs> yeah higgins once jamie assists and they score I think it's Colin that scores. Mm-hmm. Higgins decides that if he moves, he will jinx it. So <laughs> uh, Higgins becomes a statue. And we see um, Pep. Uh, what's Pep's name, Tom? He's a real guy, right? Yes. You don't. Do you remember his last name? I want you to give his last name a try. Pep Pepperoni, I believe, <laughs> is his full name. <laughs> his middle name is Close. Sausage. Pep Sausage Pepperoni. Uh, that wouldn't make sense. Uh, Pep Guardiola, so he is the famous oh, that's pretty close. coach. I was actually a lot closer than I, I thought when I said pepperoni. You can call him Pep Gorgonzola. Oh, hey, not bad, not bad. Although I hate Gorgonzola. <laughs> Pep's making some adjustments. They they let Pep act a little bit in this episode, which was mm-hmm. which was kind of fun. And I gotta say, not half bad, not yeah. half bad. The big thing here is Man City is physically beating up Tart, and we have the one dumb fan in the stands. (laughs) I like that the show feels the need to do this. They're like, all right, we're going to give them one fan who's going to shout things, and that's going to be the personification of... I guess they didn't want to pay all the other people, all the other actors (laughs) in the stands. They just wanted to pay this one guy. Yeah, it's like they needed to make a villain of him and then like at the very end when like he turns like okay well this fan turns so it's okay for everybody else to turn like he's just there as a as a you know placeholder for the entire stands right all i thought about was like oh hey there's the former gm of the arizona cardinals hanging out at a different (laughs) football game probably ruining their team as well (laughs) so they are up one score and then we're in like minute 80 right and they're defending against the equalizer uh, and we have a very cool moment where Jamie is like gets his foot behind the ball in order to save it. Listen, I don't care about anything now about the show other than the soccer of it all. I just <laughs> love the sports of it all. And that's what drew me in from not the forgiveness or the positivity or any of that stuff. Just give me all of the sport. But Jamie does a cool save where he helps Van Dam, but in the process 
injures himself. And then mm-hmm. the fan stands up and shouts some sort of slur, and Isaac runs into the stance. Is that... <laughs> did we no, get... You're, you're... You're melding episodes. I know I'm melding episodes, but I felt (laughs) like they brought that same fan back, and I was just waiting for him to say something terrible again. Yes, Um, fact. But anyways, Jamie's down, and I honestly thought they were going to kill Jamie. Just the way everyone was reacting, I was like, oh, Jamie's going to die. He's going to throw throw a clot, and he's just going to go down. And I don't... Everyone should check for clots. I don't think it's something to joke about, but yeah, I really thought Jamie was going to throw a clot and just die. I mean, it is a classic soccer player thing to be injured and then just kind of hang on the ground for a while, especially for a team that is winning the game. Like the idea of Jamie wanting to get off the field, like you milk that for as long as you can. You got to milk those precious minutes off that clock. Oh, milk it like a cow, buddy. Milk it like a Kansas cow. (laughs) Nate's watching intently. I did find the conversation, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later, where he's like, oh, is it because I'm watching too much TV? Is that why you're firing me? And Derek's like, no, you're like our best worker. But Nate does spend a lot of time watching the television. Ted runs over to him on the sideline because they want to sub him out. In soccer rules, Tom, let's get this right. As soon Mm -hmm. as you sub a player out, they cannot go back into the game, right? So you're either playing down and Jamie goes back in when he's ready, or you sub him out and he does not go back into the game at all. Am I correct? Correct. And that's regardless well of half, right? Even if yes. so, if someone's mm-hmm. pulled in the first half, they cannot come back in the second half. Mm-hmm. True. Can they come back in stoppage time? They cannot. They changed a lot of rules. Like it used to always be, you can only have three subs the entire game in the same role. Like once you get out, you're uh, you cannot go back in. But I think they increased it to like either five or six. And there are some rules. I mean, in normal Premier League play, you don't play extra time, so it doesn't matter. But in like World Cup play, things like that, they'll give guys like extra subs if it goes into extra time. Okay. Can you sub in during penalty kicks? Uh, no. You have to have been on the field when time expired. Can you sub in during corner kicks? Uh, yes. Can you sub in? We've literally reached the end of my soccer knowledge. <laughs> I was trying to You're use good. as many. Three seasons in. Really? I have, yeah. I think, four things. Thank you, Tom. You're the that's, positive. Hey, that's four more things than you had at the beginning of our Ted Lasso that's journey. That's true. Oh, what a journey it's been. What a long and arduous journey it's been. Anyways, Ted goes over to Jamie. He's like, hey, are you going to be okay? And uh, Ted... I mean, in dramatic coach fashion, is like, no, mm-hmm. we play with 10 until Jamie's ready. This was insane, right? Would, would this would this happen? Does this happen? It's not It's not that insane. This, this kind of happened. I think he even turns over to like Pep, who sees him. He's like, oh, wow, you're actually not going to sub him out kind of a deal. Like it's a game recognizes game. So it, this does happen, especially for a star player like Jamie, because he is on a tear right now and they do need him. Um, I would argue there's only, what, five, ten minutes left in this game, so you probably could sub somebody else in that has fresh legs and can probably do the job because they don't need another goal, uh, but it ultimately ends up uh, working. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And it only works because Van Damme is putting on an absolute clinic in goal. <laughs> Swashbuckling save from the masked Canadian. <laughs> so you know, good. The, what's so fantastic about all of this was the idea of Zorro, now being called Van Damme, but Zorro wearing a mask. Yeah. So they make all these references about a masked Van Damme when the idea of a masked Zorro, Zorro is just sitting right there. Yeah. Yep. So good. That's incredible. <laughs> yes, it is. It's so good. Oh, man. We have a quick cut to Derek letting Nate go. He's like, you're, you're, you're my top man. Um, but listen, uh, Jade saw me do some things and she's going to report <laughs> me and she calls the shots. So, uh, you're going to get sacked. Uh, and obviously this is leading to like, you are slumming it here. Go mm-hmm. be a coach. We cut back to the sidelines. Roy's like, he can play hurt. I used to play hurt all the time. And Beard's <laughs> response is, yeah. And now you can't walk upstairs, <laughs> which was awesome. Love that life. Uh, Roy's got a case of the drinker's knees. (laughs) We have a conversation about uh, Freddy Krueger on the sideline. Tom, I got to say, I don't think I've ever seen a Friday the 13th movie. I don't. Uh, Those are not Friday the 13th. That is Jason. Freddy Krueger is Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Okay, Tom, I'm going to readjust here. I have not seen Nightmare on whatever street or the Friday the 13th. I have seen none of them. Mm. I can't say that that wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse. I wasn't a, a big horror slasher film guy back in when I was a youth when these were very popular. But I certainly understand the reference. And I like the idea of like how he had a rough childhood with, with Ted's lines and how hurt people hurt people, but with big, long <laughs> knife hands. <laughs> so good. So good. They have a, yeah, they have a conversation about Jamie's dad. And he's like, listen, if you can't use hate to motivate you, you know, just forgive him. And, mm. you know, it will. I like Jamie's responses. Like, no, I'm not going to. Uh, he uses some <laughs> choice language, but yeah. some fruity but this language. Is, this, this is like the, the heart of this episode, right? The idea of like forgiveness being a gift to yourself. Like you're not doing this for your father. You're doing this for yourself. It's a, a beautiful message. Yeah, it takes effort to like hold on to a grudge and like stay angry and like that takes time, energy and thought. And the idea of like forgiving and letting it go even though I don't want to, even though I really <laughs> hate that person for what they did to me. Um Yeah. It's a it's a good lesson. It is certainly a good lesson. Julian, do you have some some hatred that you need to uh forgive? No. No, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, no. You're still I'm in the hatred phase? To, yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still angry. Uh, I not will until be angry. you play this guy again in your home city. No, I will be angry until the good Lord brings me home. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Jamie gets up and he's like, I feel great. And Ted's like, it was the talk, wasn't it? And he's like, well, it might have been the painkillers and the adrenaline, but uh, sure. And then... I love what Jamie does here. He like much like Stella, he gets his groove back. You know, he goes out there, he starts making faces, he's messing with the crowd, he's tapping his like jersey chest thing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's tapping think... his badge. He's tapping his Richmond badge. Okay, that's the thing that uh, mm-hmm. soccer players and police officers do. I am assuming. <laughs> and then Jamie scores, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, scores in very dramatic fashion, all by himself, and like the uh, commentators make mention of it. And this is something that a lot of players going back to play their ex-team, like if they score, he doesn't celebrate. He doesn't go to the corner flag and like try to like it anything too crazy. He just celebrates a moment with his team. So I, I appreciated that. And I think that helps with kind of the, the churn of the crowd. Dom, did this remind you of um, those times when you're playing Rocket League with me and I'm scoring all those goals <laughs> and I'm not screaming, me, 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 after winning because I'm humble and I've been there before and scoring is just something that I can do almost at will during Rocket League. Is that, did this remind you of me on the Rocket League machine? Oh man, it, it did not, but I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, you are, you are a fantastic player, man. And when you scored that one goal, it was great. That one goal in 20 games. Ooh, Rocket League's hard. Anyways, you got to drive a car. Um they clinch the win with that goal, and this is then where they pull Jamie. And once again, uh, it was so dramatic. I was like, Jamie's going to die. Jamie's gonna, He scored the goal. He clinched the win. He's going to die. Um, and then the City fans start to clap. Tom, does this make any soccer sense? In the real world, this, would this ever happen? He literally scored the goal to put the game away. They sub him out. Even though he's a former player, would they cheer for him? Explain. I mean, it, it it happens. I don't think it probably happens as quickly as it does here, like because the fans were just giving him crap the entire game, and then they all turn on him. But I think this this does generally happen in sports, especially in like English soccer. And I think this is where I was kind of mentioning earlier with like the kids like ribbing on him. Like I feel like that's just kind of part of the culture of soccer is like ribbing on a player that maybe used to play for you or that you're playing against. But at the end of the day, like you don't really mean it. You still appreciate and are a fan of what he did for you when he was at the club and everything else. So, I mean, I think we saw it with with, uh, Roy as well, right? Like he went back to Chelsea and all those fans were chanting for him because even though he's not for Chelsea anymore, the fans still respect everything that he did and gave to the club. So, But Jamie's different, right? Because Jamie only played for Man City for a season and then left for a reality TV show. But I think the bigger idea here is that Jamie is from Manchester. He is a Mancurian. So he gets a little bit more love from these these fans that maybe others wouldn't. Sure. I'm going to pretend like I know what that term means. 
Man. I feel like that that was a callback too, right? They made a couple mentions of them being called Mancurians because I think in previous episodes, Beard and Ted tried to figure out what a Manchesterite was called or something. Is that really the term, Mancurian? Is that what? Yeah, they said it a couple times throughout the episode. Yeah, I think the announcer said it. Ted said it when he corrected like his mom. As he's leaving the fields, Roy whispers deep in his ear, and I'm sure you wished that you could hear what was whispered because you love whispering. <laughs> Um, well, this this again is another Keeley thing to me. Like he whispers something into his ear, and I think he's very clearly saying something. Like, and it cuts to Keeley when he's whispering to his ear. Like it's a very odd cut for that to happen. So it's almost like Roy said, like, "Hey, Keeley and I are not a thing." Like, if you want to pursue it, I, I, that's the only thing I can get from this conversation. But it seems like a very weird time for Roy to have this conversation with him. I but agree. We have to get something in in this finale about what what he said to him. I think he said, hey, when you're icing your leg, I'm going to get two bottles of champagne. <laughs> you, Keely, I are going to get drunk in the athletic room later. By the way, your tag is showing. Let me tuck it in for you. That's what I think he said. <laughs> okay. The dad's friends, Jamie's dad's friends, cheers him with their little flasks or medium-sized flasks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is the dad dead? And I went to write this in the notes as I was watching, and I might have said something out loud, and my wife was like, no, I think he's in rehab. And I was like, wow, you really jumped to that conclusion. No, I think he's dead. (laughs) And she goes, no, they just showed him in rehab. And I was like, what? And then I rewound it, and she's like, you didn't go far enough. And then I rewound it, and she's like, nope, you did not go far enough. And then I rewound it further, and sure enough, the dad was in rehab, not dead the whole time, much mm-hmm. like those Christopher Nolan movies. <laughs> I like, like, this was a beautiful turn. Like, I, when I first saw it, in, and I saw this in real time, I had the same thought. I'm like, oh, no, does his dad pass? But the idea of even his dad kind of getting a redeeming arc, and we don't need anything more from this, but the idea that the dad's trying to, to be better, um, I think, was, was a, a beautiful touch. Sure. And I think it goes along with a bit of the theme of the show where it's like, although I think they go heavy on villainy sometimes, it Mm -hmm. does show like no one's a pure villain. Like you can't just say, and I think this is maybe a pet peeve of mine is we are often like, oh, that person is just like evil or that person is bad. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't think anyone is like, you know purely evil like they don't spend their whole day being like oh how am i going to ruin everyone's lives around me because that would be a terrible existence who would be friends with that person not me (laughs) right probably maybe maybe who knows anyways (laughs) so i do like the show points out like sometimes rupert is not the worst like jamie's dad here not the worst like there's Mm -hmm. some redeeming qualities we're not all even though they tried to make nate for like half a second uh, Darth Vader. They were like, oh yeah, remember Nate still got some good in him. So I do mm-hmm. appreciate the reminder of people can change and not everyone is just there to be a caricature of, of being a villain. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But yeah, for sure. Pep gives Ted his own life advice about wins and losses and making men better, which I thought Pep did a great job. Yeah, I think Pep as an actor was, was fantastic in this little scene. Kind of does what managers do at the end of the game, shakes hand and kind of you know, says, hey, good game. I don't know if I like this bit of, like, giving Pep the Ted Lasso way kind of thing about, like, wins and losses. Like, no, man, like, you're a world-renowned, famous soccer coach that is all about wins and losses. I don't know the guy's backstory. Maybe this is kind of part of his Lasso way, and Ted Lasso is based off of Pep. But I didn't like how they gave Pep the this line. Like, it was more his idea and not something that Ted had brought this philosophy to the team. Okay, interesting. Here's how I like to see it going down. Are you ready, Tom? Pep did something wrong, and he was sentenced to, I don't know, community service. (laughs) And the magistrate and the funny wig that was in the dock, no, Pep would have been in the dock, and the magistrate would have been talking to him. The magistrate was like, listen, um, you don't have to do any jail time if you go and give a positive message to all the children out there. (laughs) <laughs> and Pep was like, done. And so he got a spot on this show in order to do it. 
community service uh, done, and now Pep can go back to being a terrible person that only cares about wins and losses because mm, he did his one good deed. That's how that I could like be true. To think what happened. Listen, I don't know. I, I've never read up on the guy, so you're you could be right. I am right, and his other option was to pick trash on the highway in one of those fluorescent vests, and he said, I am Pep, I will not pick up trash. And then he littered, and then he went right back to jail. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. We're in Richmond. Fat Bottom Girls is playing. Um, there were a couple of times that a song played during this episode, and I was like, is this, uh, is this Queen? And still not quite sure, but uh, I know this song is Freddie Mercury and Queen, right? This is definitely Queen. There was another song that definitely sounded familiar. I kind of made me think like, oh, they got another Queen song, but it was not. It was just somebody kind of similar sounding to their vibe. Okay, well then, that was the song I thought, and now I know I was wrong. So that feels good. (laughs) Jamie gives everyone props as they're leaving the locker room. He then, I believe at this point, texts his father, and Beard talks about going to karaoke, as one does after a big win, and they're Mm -hmm. going to sing Islands in the Stream, which, when they started like humming or singing it, I knew the song, but... I, if you told me, hey, do you know the song Islands in the Stream, I would tell you no. Um, but then someone in my house that was watching this with me started singing it, and I was like, oh, I kind of remember that that song. Dude, this is uh, Michael Scott and Jim Halpert duet. Okay, that's the only reason why I know this song. <laughs> that's what I recognize. I was like, oh, okay, I know when they do this song in the office. I, I would not know the song outside of it. Oh, okay. And that's not I, being I, proud? That's me being sad. <laughs> I had heard of it. I, don't, I couldn't give you all the lyrics, but I, I had heard of the song before. I think it was it was remade in that movie called Bullworth. I think there was a Maya song where they used like that riff. It was completely different lyrics, like a rap version for that movie. This is a weird reference. I th- yeah. think I have all that Tom, right. You're all over the place, and I cannot confirm or deny any of it. Okay. I don't even. If you told me there was a movie not made Bullworth or named <laughs> Bullworth, I would not be able to tell you one okay. way or the other because I certainly did not see it. Oh, the internet will tell me. Ugh. You can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com with your questions or concerns. Tell Tom he's right because he is a good man. Oh, it what? It's Ghetto Superstar. That was the song. Okay. Do you remember Ghetto Superstar? I mean, you have heard the phrase before. Uh, okay. It's been shouted at me <laughs> as I've walked down streets before. Um, but we've got a lot of fans, so okay. it's okay. okay. Ted is watching the security footage of where Nate rips the poster. He plays this, and he's laughing, and he's showing it to Beard. And it is of Nate getting stuck in the office after ripping the poster. He's got to like hide under the desk for hours and hours and hours and then sneak out a window. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's funny. And I know his ultimate point for showing it to Beard. But what vibe did you get from this? I mean, yeah, I was confused too. I'm like, was he trying to give sympathy for Nate that he had to see here for so long? Is it the idea that Nate is just so dedicated he's going to sit here for this many hours? Like, I don't know what he was really trying to or what the show was trying to elicit with this bit. I get the end game of it, of Ted trying to almost make Beard feel guilty as he's kind of like humming the song as he leaves and all that jazz. But I don't. I feel like they could have gone another route with that. Yeah, I, I don't know that... Watching Nate suffer by hiding under the desk was really what would bring Beard around. But Mm -hmm. I do like what Ted is ultimately doing here. And he has a great quote where he says, you know, I I hope we're not judged by the actions of our weakest moments, but rather by the strengths we show when and if we're given a second chance, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is extremely powerful based on Beard's backstory, which we Mm -hmm. learn um, in in a scene or two. And I love there is an there is a there is a part earlier in the show where something happens and Ted 
gives a long fudge. <laughs> and then right here, as Ted does this to Beard, and Beard knows what Ted's doing in terms mm-hmm. of wanting him to give Nate a second chance, Beard looks up and goes, fudge. And it's just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful callback. I think Beard does a real thing, though. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I just heard fudge in my brain. Um, we have Jamie texting his dad. This is where he does that. And then Roy and Keeley join him in the training room. And he is getting a foot ice bath because he's been wounded. And I love how Roy casually drops the champagne <laughs> in the um, ice bucket. and Breaks three of his toes. Breaks three of his toes. Uh, and ruins a nice bottle of Brute. Uh, a wonderful year, 2020. The best champagne year, some people say. Um, best year just all around, I guess most people would say. Ooh, too soon. Too soon. Jade and Nate are meeting in the kitchen where Nate has decided that he has written a 60-page apology letter. Listen, I've written a fair bit in my lifetime, not professionally. 60 pages would take you forever forever <laughs> like just the typing involved i can't uh, type well you type terrible. like four words a minute so i mean nate seems like he's uh he's like a, a 60 kid. 70 yeah exactly he's a wounder kid man but yeah he's looking for a few trims um but yeah re- seeing a 60 page apology letter kind of reminded me of one of our podcast outlines oof yeah speaking of which <laughs> Hour and 12-minute episode gets five pages of outline. Boo. (laughs) Boo, says the audience. Beard shows up. Very much like Kruger style. (laughs) Yeah, we get a buzz. Tom, have you ever lived somewhere where you had to buzz people up or they buzzed you in order to let them in? Have Have you ever been in that situation? I have not, no. You? My only experience is on Seinfeld. I've never, like, mm. the whole buzzing up uh, system seems, seems crazy. I think I've talked about this before. I feel like intercom systems in houses was a big thing, like, <laughs> I don't know, in the 90s. And then they all went into disrepair. So I can remember being at people's houses where they had, like, an intercom system, <laughs> and none of them ever worked. <laughs> never worked. It always seemed like a, like a lovely novelty that much like a hot tub lasted probably six months and then never got used and fell into disrepair <laughs> until someone came and picked it up to go send it to the dump. But I digress. <laughs> um, he gets buzzed in, and we find out the backstory of Beard and Ted. Let's go into this, and then I'd love to get your impression. So we find out that they met in school. One of them was the backup punter. One of them was the backup kicker. They spent a lot of time working out together. After school, they kind of went separate ways. And then Beard wound up in prison. When he got out, Ted took him in. He then stole Ted's car. This was a great call by Nate where he's like, this sounds a lot like Les Mis. (laughs) Which, do you know the story of Les Mis, Tom? I know. I have never seen the movies, the plays, or the Vegas show. Okay, we open up. It's the late 1700s. Oh boy. It's revolutionary, and I will do all the French parts in France. Um, no, the joke here is he goes, yes, I, it's like Les Mis. I stole a loaf of meth, which there is a guy who steals a loaf of breath and goes Uh-oh. to prison for a very long time. Anyways, Les Mis, you should watch that movie. It's an incredible movie. Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe. Anne Hathaway, our girl Anne Hathaway from Colossal. Do you remember mm. the famous movie Colossal that everyone watched with us? <laughs> I do. Yeah, we record a pod on it. Go back and check our uh, catalog. Jason Sudeikis and Anne Hathaway, Colossal. Weird movie. Have fun. Anyways, we have not gotten any of their backstory, right? We just assume mm. they're old friends. Were you yep. surprised by this at all? Or, or did you like where they took this? I so I'll admit like this scene watching it the second time hit me a lot more than the first and I don't know if I was because I was digesting everything or just I've kind of given up on the Nate arc kind of stuff but watching it the second time like I loved this I loved the backstory it gave for Beard I think it fills in so many gaps that we've had about what their relationship him and Ted's has been um, I I thought it was great I thought it was poetic I thought it was beautiful and was a great way for um, kind of beard to give the apology and for us as an audience to forgive Nate. Right. 
yeah, the the forgiveness part is huge here because Beard steals Ted's car, and then the only reason he doesn't go back to prison or get in trouble more is because Ted vouches for him and says, hey, I gave him the car, which very much... When you watch Les Mis, you're going to be like, oh, this reeks of lasso. Anyways, <laughs> I, I this got me. One watch, it got me. Mm. Um, I had a, a, a real emotional reaction to this uh, because just the power of forgiveness and even when it's difficult, what Beard does here mm-hmm. and him welcoming Nate back was wonderful. And then we see the satisfaction of Jade eating a kebab. Jade's like, <laughs> someone didn't pick up their delivery. Free food. What wonderful. <laughs> um but yeah, this uh they got me twice here. They got me with this one. Uh and then this rolls right into the next powerful scene of Ted and Dottie, him having a discussion and it starts with him thanking her for like all the nice small stuff that she does. And then him going right into a hard F-bomb about not talking to him about the big stuff, like losing mm-hmm. dad when he was yeah. younger. And yeah. Well, I think he also mentioned, too, not just losing dad, but like seeking help for herself. Like she right. didn't like seek, seek a therapist or, or seek other help. She tried to deal with it all herself. This is not how I would have verbalized this, but I <laughs> see what they're doing, and it certainly has the impact. And... Once again, communication, the importance of it, and sometimes bottling up feelings, despite the fact that the house words are, we suffer silently, and I stand by those house words, I feel like this scene is maybe a good reminder that every once in a while, every once in a while, it's okay to express yourself uh, in terms of deep and meaningful things. So, uh, With his- F-bumps. With F-bombs. Not at your mom, though, because then she'll wash your mouth out with soap, even though you're (laughs) in your late 30s and everything's going gray. (laughs) Anyways, his mother does apologize. And to her point, she's like, listen, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know how to handle this. I did the best that I could. And it doesn't sound like he had a terrible childhood, but you can, you know, the show is making some correlations with how Ted handles things. Uh, based on how his mom handled things and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hiding the big stuff. And, and just as long as the small pleasantries are there, we can hide the big stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I, I this scene got me. This scene got yeah. me because uh, the kicker here is she says, I do have something to say to you. Your son misses you. And mm-hmm. that was like she got to a point where rather than dance around why she's visiting, why she's there, it's like, hey, your son needs you. And that mm-hmm. I thought was very powerful. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the same thing, like when I watched it again, it, it hit me a lot harder than it did the first watch. And I think I was taken out of it with just all the F-bombs that were kind of being dropped. I'd like, it just seemed a little bit too hardcore for Ted. But I mean, I love the way Jason Sudeikis acts this out and like his reaction to like your son misses you, I thought was just beautiful and so well done. Like the idea of him being... I guess scared to get too close because he knows that his son is going to leave him. Like he's just kind of has all these emotions kind of bottled up and um, yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful scene and I, I loved what, what they did. Yeah. To your point, I think like Ted himself is not a big swearer. So I do understand they use that for like dramatic effect. I think they still could have done this without, cause mm-hmm. you're right. It does kind mm-hmm. of like when he, when he drops that first one, you know, not that you or I are opposed to, like swearing when it's necessary but uh when he drops that first one it is kind of like such a shock Mm -hmm. and i do feel like out of character but maybe that's what we're supposed to understand this is ted digging deep expressing himself yeah that's fair i I like the mom's hard fudge you know a hard fudge (laughs) maybe maybe would have or a sassafras maybe you know really would have hit just as well but who knows we'll see the censored on tv forget you mom the old doves i love it <laughs> but i love the the bit we get at the end with the mom kind of like hey listen sometimes we win sometimes we lose but mostly we just tie and as a parent of a child of four years old like i feel like he's only four and i've got a lot of parenting still to do but i mean i feel like that's so true like we do the best we can but the idea that you just got to keep playing and i think we we said this from the beginning like ted left his young son alone because his wife needed space and he you know goes across an entire ocean and 
he he's, hasn't been there for his son. And we, we never really understood why he did this and why he is not a part of his son's life. And then the more we've kind of seen throughout this, it's, it's showing Ted that like he needs to be here. He can't keep running away from this. I agree. Crazy idea that he is not near Henry, but I think he's going to be in one mm-hmm. episode, Tom. Fact. We go from that very powerful scene to the most powerful scene where Rebecca opens her door and who is outside but Bex and a woman we've never seen and don't know who she is and they <laughs> need advice. Um, yeah, so this is the assistant, right? Rupert's assistant. So I don't know what we'll get in this final episode, but I mean, clearly this has to be something with why Nate left and she was probably involved in some sort of harassment thing. So I'm assuming what they'll do is just use this to bring down Rupert, who has been, you know, your point earlier, like there's no real pure villains, but they have made Rupert a pure villain. I... I'm going to assume that this will be the second thruple. So the show will end with two thruples. There mm-hmm. will be Roy, Jamie, and Keeley, And then this thruple will be Rebecca, Bex, which is confusing because Rebecca is going to tell them, hey, my nickname is also Bex, but spelled with a C. So it's going to be Bex, Bex, <laughs> and the assistant who is nameless. And then they are going to raise Diana. The child, and so Rebecca mm. will now be a mom. I'm sorry, Bex, Becca, nope, Bex, Bex, and assistant will all be moms raising Diana. So that's how I predict the show will end. That, I mean, I don't really, I guess, think about this, but I mean, we still need. I mean, we don't need it to happen, but the show has given us the psychic prediction of Rebecca being a mom, and like the only other kid we've kind of seen has been Diana here. Like, is she gonna? adopt or like no no no, no. she'll she'll win it in the harassment lawsuit she'll win the child in the she'll harassment win the lawsuit. child but yes. that's isn't a bad mom no no no, no but seen. i mean english court is different than our court tom you can oh, win okay. children um that's what oliver <laughs> wow. twist is all about and so is great expectations it's winning children in court so um gotcha. also miracle on 34th street uh, they win a child in court and make the kid work for santa if i'm remembering that correctly hmm. Ted's mom. I don't read very often. No, no, no. These were all movies. Um, <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo also wins the child in court. Anyways, Ted's mom leaves some sunflower bread. Tom, what are your thoughts on sunflower bread? I mean, it. I mean, I don't, think, I don't even know that sunflower bread was a thing, and I can't imagine it tastes fantastic. But it says that it's Ted's favorite, and I like the callback to the sunflower bit being the state flower of Kansas. It's poetic for sure. Um, but I also appreciate that she doesn't say goodbye in person, kind of with this note, which is what, what Dr. Sharon did, right? When Dad got really upset that she left a note and now her his mom is doing the same. So maybe that's sure. why he got so upset because that's kind of his mom's MO as well. Sure, sure. I'm glad you asked. Yeah, my thoughts on sunflower bread are the worst part about it is you need a spit cup for the seeds. Mm, I think you're doing it wrong. I think you're supposed to take them out of the shells. Nope. Anyways, back at Ted's office. Uh, Rebecca is like, hey, uh, let's break the fourth wall. And this is always the episode where we reveal something or I have a big reveal. In season Mm -hmm. one, it was that she was like out to get him. That's the only reason she hired him. And in season two, the big reveal during the penultimate episode is audience. We'd like you to reach out to us and let us know what it is because neither Tom and I can remember. So you can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. We should be better at this, but we aren't, and that's fine. uh, Because guess what? In season three, Rebecca doesn't have the reveal. Ted's, I got one, end quote. Tom, Mm -hmm. what's Ted's reveal going to be? That he's going back home? That that was my assumption. No, that he's confessing his love to Rebecca. Ted back home. No, 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 no. If they do that, I will be absolutely furious. And actually, I'm a little bit furious with this ending because they are purposely messing with the audience. Because the show is here. Here's what I I feel like the show knows the world or like some weird portion of the world wants Ted and Rebecca to like wind up together, and they were like, oh, let's. 
like drive the dagger into their souls and then not let it happen. This is the mm-hmm. show playing with that part of the audience. And I think it's unfair. And I don't like it just from an, I just don't like yeah, no, it. He, and I don't think that's right. what's happening. No, it's, it's clear as day that he is saying like, I'm done after this season. I've got to go home. Um, that that's going to be what he says. And he even like comes into the room and they make mention that Nate's going to get there at 10 o'clock and, uh, um, Ted is here meeting with Rebecca at 9.30. So, like, we're probably going to pick up right here on the next episode and then have Nate come in and then them figure out, yeah, Nate's going to be the head coach next year or whatever. I don't know. Uh, But I I thought it was kind of interesting that they did mention the time. But that's going to be what happens for sure. Okay. So our big prediction is, I mean, I don't feel like it's a big prediction, but Ted's going home. Uh, Rebecca is going to, are we going to find out that she's been pregnant this whole time? And that the doctor let her know that? Or are we moving on from the her being a mother uh, story? Well, she, she was just going to see if she was still, like, could, could have a baby. Not necessarily if she was pregnant. Okay. Right? Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, so that's not a good prediction. They um, did. Hold on, hold on. They did in season two, the ending, they did, like, a lord of the rings style ending where they said like three months later four months later six months later so i wonder if the show's going to do something like that like maybe she does end up with sam and doesn't have a kid at the end of this but then we get two years later or something and it's sam and rebecca with the kid or something like that i wouldn't be surprised if it's sam and rebecca romantically i don't think so i don't think it should be but again like i feel like there needs to be some sort of romantic relationship for rebecca because the psychic told us that she was going to have a family and she was going to have a kid. So okay. I don't like, I mean, I, I I don't like speculating about that in all honesty, because I don't think she, she needs it in her life right now. Like she's in a place where sure she can look for a romantic partner and all that kind of stuff. But do we need to force it into the show with one of these characters we've met? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Tom doesn't believe in psychics world. <laughs> I guess uh, that's something we're revealing. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Should we go through each character, Tom, and just make the prediction of what we think, how they're going to end? Or should we end this and just go to the finale? I'm, I'm down for doing that. I know this has already been a pretty long pod, so those who have stayed with us, um, I think we can. I mean, it's always fun to do for a, a penultimate episode is to talk about where we think our characters are going. So let's do it. So, so Ted, what's what's happening? I'm saying Ted's, he's, yep, he's gone, he's right? back in Kansas. He's coaching, I don't know, D2 college soccer and he's with henry uh and him and michelle uh we get a little will they won't they that's my prediction okay i bet he's coaching uh henry's soccer team okay that's a good that is a good and will ferrell and uh dick butkus (laughs) are his assistant coaches i like it all right beard does beard this is a big question for me does beard stick around at richmond or does he follow ted as one is prone to do as the assistant no, Beard Beard stays. I think Beard kind of like needed Ted for a long time, but now that he's met the craziness you know, of his life and love and Jane and the thing that they've already said that they're engaged to be married, my assumption is that like this is Beard separating himself from from Ted. Like Ted's given him enough guidance and advice and everything else that he'll stay in in jolly old London town. Okay, and Ted's not going to feel bad about that. Beard's not going to feel guilty about it. Ted is going to want him to thrive, and he obviously loves this game called soccer and so mm-hmm. i'm with you i i think he stays as well roy what is happening with roy uh roy understands that his relationship with keely is going nowhere so he goes to pick up phoebe at school and marries miss bowen on the spot on the spot tom <laughs> tom you and i are so aligned you and we should do a podcast together not only does he marry mrs bowen but they start a charter school and she's the principal and he's the PE teacher and the school closes shortly after because suits are filed because he screams at the kids and the kids are weak. <laughs> and so 
they take we're gonna get one of those like what 90s movies things where it's gonna put a freeze frame on the the thing and then go to black and white and then a little text pops on the bottom and says like what happened to the characters yep i feel like that's what you just described school closed due to lawsuit nine months later Uh, (laughs) mrs bowen and roy are still on speaking terms principal (laughs) bowen and pe teacher roy are still on speaking terms no i think roy stays on staff i think he yes mrs bowen yes do you think it's gonna happen or do you think he's going to stay with Keeley? I think he... You've made a good case. I would have said before you made the case you made that Roy and Keeley end up together. But I think you're right. I think we've seen enough from Keeley's like, non-committal, like mm-hmm. they cut the conversation short, that I don't think that's where this is going to happen. And I think it's yeah. okay. I, I think they'll both be fine without each other. And maybe they're better as friends. But mm-hmm. would I be overjoyed if they wound up together? Sure. Would I be underjoyed mm-hmm. if they wound up apart? Possibly. Would I be joyed <laughs> if they were just with other people? Sure. I don't know. I've never experienced okay. joy. Uh, one day I'd like to. Uh, where do we end up with Jamie, Tom? I feel like Jamie and Keely are kind of like destined for each other. I feel like there's been enough back and forth. Like, I don't think the show's done a fantastic job with it, but they've clearly shown that Jamie still has interest. But Jamie is like kind of keeping himself, I think, away because he sees that there's still some kind of love uh, with Keely and Roy. And Roy kind of maybe confessed like, hey, Keely and I are not are not together. And maybe that's what he whispered to him. And then they end up. Because I, I think if you go back and watch this series and you – Watch that moment when Keely is ultimately breaking up with Jamie and they're sitting there talking about like how immature Jamie is and how he needs to change. I think this is, if they do end up together, it would be a, a beautiful arc for, for Jamie, which we've already said is, has had a fantastic arc throughout the show, to see him change and to see them end up back up together. And I'm not saying these guys need to be like married by the end of the season, but the idea that they would get back together and go on a date or something, I think would be would be fitting. Okay, okay. Jamie, my prediction, is going to have his own reality TV show where it is uh, a chance to date Jamie Tart, and Mm -hmm. it is a Bachelor-style show where Jamie Tart tries to find his true love. It runs for no less than 17 seasons um, (laughs) and ends with him uh, happy, but... After like a three-month engagement, they don't quite work out. So that's my prediction. Goes back to reality TV show. It's very successful. Everyone loves mm-hmm. it. You know, season 10's a little bit iffy, but uh, <laughs> season 17 ends with a, a real banger and mash, as they say. <laughs> okay. um, who are we missing? Nate. Nate, you think, just ends up as the manager of AFC Richmond? Do we? Does, does the, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, they've put in that rat writing and stuff on the wall. I think that's that's his arc. Okay. And then Will remains the kit man for the next 80 years? Uh, no, Will becomes the assistant coach. Will becomes the assistant coach <laughs> and no. is buried is buried in the goal of Richmond 80 years later, which makes it a real doozy when the ball hits his tombstone repeatedly. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a home field advantage for Richmond. Who do we miss at this point? Rebecca? Did we say Rebecca? We didn't give her... Like, we talked about her, but I don't think we ended up on where we think... I, I, I don't know. I don't see her... She's certainly not going to leave Richmond. I think she's still going to be the owner. She'll maybe... I don't, I don't know where they're going with the relationship with, with Bex and the assistant and like what that advice that they need. Clearly something with Rupert. Um... I don't. I don't know where. I don't know where she ends. I. I don't think she ends up with Sam. I think that's still my call. I think Sam just ends up being very happy running his restaurant with uh, Allas, and you know maybe hits it off with uh, the head chef that's there. So we've seen kind of a a relationship budding from from those two. Okay, I think her and Sam end up together, and okay. I think that Bex ends up uh, owning West Ham um, very quickly. Um, Jan Moss becomes a professor of logic at some weird European school. Uh, Danny Rojas becomes the president of Mexico. Um, Colin becomes a Lamborghini dealership owner of like the seven biggest Lamborghini dealerships across Europe. And uh, who did I miss out of those? Isaac. Oh, (laughs) 
Van Damme obviously goes into the movie business, does karate. <laughs> um, and then Isaac, Isaac uh, stays with Richmond his whole career um, and in the end um, beats up a lot of people and goes into UFC. That is mm-hmm. my prediction for Yeah, Isaac, Isaac is going to be like the new Roy. The new Roy. That's exactly right. Did we hit everyone? I think we hit the main players. There's too many to count at this point. But yeah, those are the main ones. You know, I, I, I like it. I think there's enough strings that they've given us to I wouldn't be surprised of really anything at the end. Um, I'm assuming we're probably going to have like a three-hour episode for the finale based on the way everything else has been going. But okay. Which means um, a six-hour podcast, Tom. <laughs> yeah. I'll be bummed to see this show go for sure. I think if you look at the next episode title, which I think is like so long farewell, it says season finale. So they're not specifically saying series finale, which I think is kind of silly. Like this is going to be a season or series finale unless they want to do spinoff type stuff where Ted's not heavily involved, but maybe the other players can still kind of move on. And I don't know if I want that to happen. I think like this is a good show. It doesn't need to keep going on. Like good things can come to an end. And I think this being wrapped up in three seasons would, would be very well done for my, my taste. Yeah. The only spinoff I want is Roy, Jamie, Keeley, detective agency, solving mm. the Jack the Ripper crime uh, in London. That's all I want. Every yeah, once in a while, everyone else makes it. a guest appearance as a murder victim. Someone is slowly murdering the, <laughs> former, the former team members of AFC Richmond. The premier <laughs> champion league Richmond from 2013. Wait, 2023? I almost said 2013. That'll let you know what year I'm living in. Anyways, let's be done with this, Tom. We appreciate all of you that have listened to our rants and raves. We are ending this show, which is where we started, Ted Lasso. And uh, I think it is important to note that the reason we started the show is some of the positive messages that it portrays. And I appreciated this episode, its focus on forgiveness and the power of that. Uh, And it reminded me of why we like this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though we've had gripes and complaints, none of them have... Uh, stopped us from uh, enjoying these characters and big shout out to to jamie tart's character i think in season one we all hated him and now we all love him and they did Mm -hmm. a fabulous job there so Mm -hmm. uh, if you have questions or concerns you can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com i want to say a big thank you to all of you that have rated and reviewed us on apple Podcasts. (laughs) it's fun to read those and we appreciate the positive Uh, reviews and we just like that other people for some reason like listening to us talk (laughs) for sure absolutely thank you so much again to the audience that it's been a fun ride for ted lasso and some of the other shows that we've done so if you joined us from something else feel free to check out our back catalog we have a lot of other fun shows that we've kind of covered so uh, this definitely won't be the end of team binge we'll find some new shows and and we'll keep going Uh, but you can also find us on your various socials twitter instagram at team binge or at team binge podcast uh, to continue the conversation there so we're almost there, Julian. One more left, my man. One more. It's going to be the final touchdown for this show, <laughs> and we'll finish it out. I have been Julian. And I have been Tom. Till next time, everybody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mm-hmm.